Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. My name is Tim and I'm one of the pastors here and we are so excited that you are here with us this morning. I don't know if you know this about me, but I am an only child. Now, I know you're probably thinking, okay, well, that explains a lot, Tim. Actually, my wife would probably contribute the fact that I'm an only child to the fact that sometimes, maybe a lot of times, I struggle and I'm a little stingy. And uh, this happens in a couple of areas. One, um, when I'm dishing out ice cream to our kids, sometimes if there's a flavor that I like, such as Rocky Road or Moose Tracks, I will give out smaller helpings because that's my favorite flavor, right? But if it's vanilla, if it's something that I don't like, I am super generous with vanilla. Like, scoop that out, get it out, eat it up. And uh, I'll actually admit, there have been a number of times where Shane and I have been sitting on a couch watching something, and we feel like some ice cream. And so I will go into the kitchen, and I will scoop out a medium-sized helping, and then I will scoop out a huge helping, right? And can you guess which helping I will give my wife? I know. You've got it. Sometimes, oftentimes, I will give her the smaller helping, and I will give myself the larger helping. And I know I am a terrible person. And it's not because I think she should eat less. It's because I am stingy, and I want more for myself. And so that's the reality of your pastor. <laughs> Stephen Covey has a book. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he says there's a difference between a scarcity mindset and an abundant mindset. And the scarcity mindset says there's not enough to go around for everyone. There's not enough. And an abundant mindset says there's more. Have more. In fact, if, if we run out, we'll go ahead and get more. And uh, so imagine you were over my house for dinner, and you said, hey, Tim, sit down. I'll, I'll scoop the ice cream. And there's the rocky road, or there's the moose tracks, and you scoop out like half the container and give it to yourself. The scarcity mindset would go, whoa, 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 there's not enough for me. The abundant mindset would say, yeah, have it, have more. In fact, if we run out, I'll go buy more. And so here's the question. How do we go from a scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset? How do we grow in that area of generosity? Which one of these best describes you, a scarcity mindset or an abundant mindset? And today, we're going to talk about how do we go from a scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset? How do we grow in that area of generosity? So if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 or pull it up on your phone, your Bible app, your iPad, whatever you use. While you're looking for 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let me give you a little bit of the backstory. Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth has been preparing to give an offering, to give a gift to this church in Jerusalem. See, there's a church in Jerusalem, and they've been struggling. They've had some huge problems come up, and so they're in need of some help. They're in need of some assistance, and this church in Corinth has already prepared a gift they're, they're excited to give. They're eager to give. And Paul is writing to them because they've been waiting for over a year to give this gift. And he says, okay, guys, are you still ready? Are you still eager? Is that gift prepared? And are you, by the way, giving out of the right motives? Are you giving generously? So that's where we pick up 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
Here's what Paul says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And so there's the principle. It's really a farming principle that if I have a, a small field and I begin to plant a small amount of crops, a little bit of tomatoes, a little bit of lettuce, what can I expect? A little harvest, right? It's not bad, but that's what I should expect. But if I go out and I buy the largest field and I begin to scatter masses and masses of seed and crops and I begin to plant and I am extremely generous, if everything goes right, good weather, good soil, all that stuff, what can I expect? A larger harvest than if I had planted less seed, right? And that's the principle. He's saying, whatever you sow, whatever you plant, you should expect to get back. If you sow it, you should be able to reap it. And so if you're, if you're stingy, if you have a scarcity mindset, there's not enough to go around, we're going to run out, I can't give, and you begin to sow sparingly, and you're stingy, Paul says, that's what you're going to get back. But if you're generous, if you have an abundant mindset, and you're saying, I'm just going to plant, and I'm going to plant, and I'm going to put all sorts of seeds, and I'm just going to go all in, what should I expect? I should expect to get something in return, a, a generous reaping, a, a larger harvest. But notice what he says in verse 7. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. That there should be a predetermination in your heart. And that's what I've been asking you to do. Over the last couple months, I've been asking you to think about what you might give for the Vision 2022 giving. I've been asking you to, to pray about it. I've been asking you to talk to your spouse or your significant other and think about it. I didn't want you to give on impulse. I didn't want you to come here and feel like we were trying to manipulate you or tug on your heartstrings, but we wanted you to decide in your heart that there's a predetermination in your thoughts, in your thinking, in your affections, in your choices. You said, okay, here's what I'm deciding to give. And then Paul gives some parameters around that. He says, as you decide, as you predetermine, don't give reluctantly. And that word reluctantly is the idea of, of giving out of grief or sorrow. And so maybe you've had somebody at some point in your life say some hard things to you. Maybe it was a boss, it was a coworker, it was a spouse, it was a teacher, it was a, a coach, a good friend call you out on some things, and you're like, oh, you're right. I've missed the mark. I've, I, 
that was wrong of me. And as you felt bad, as you felt sorry for what you did, you genuinely made some changes. And it was an inside change. You were reluctant, right? He says, don't give because you feel bad or don't give and then feel bad. That's an inward pressure. And then the other parameter, he says, don't give under compulsion. Don't give because outside people are pressuring you to give. Well, I just want to give. I want to walk by and I want to see someone put this in the blue box. Hey, look what I'm doing. Pretty good, huh? Or, or because, oh, you know what? If I give more money, then God will like weigh out a scale and I'll be able to check more boxes and I'll be godly. And then that will be pretty awesome, won't it? Or if I don't give, what will people think of me? That's that outside pressure, right? Paul says, I want you to decide in your heart. Don't give reluctantly. Don't get a, give out of compulsion, but be a cheerful giver. Be happy. Be excited. Be glad about giving. So which one of these would you say best describes you? Now, if I'm being honest, there's, there's been times in my life where I, I've been a reluctant giver. I didn't want to give. I felt obligated. I felt like I should give. It was just, you know, I saw the guy in the red suit. He was ringing the bell. I just kind of felt bad for him. Everybody else was throwing money in there, and it was, I felt bad. Or, or maybe there was the compulsion. There's been times where people have asked me for money, right? They're selling candy bars for their, their school basketball team. And you're like, I don't even need any more candy bars, but I just kind of want you to go away, so here's a buck. Like, I felt bad. And then there's been times where I've been excited to give. And, but which one of those would you say best describes how you give most of the time? How do we become a cheerful giver? How do we become someone who is filled with generosity? Here at Bridgewater, we want you to be a cheerful giver. We want you to predetermine, to think about how should I give. We're not here to manipulate you. We're not here to pull on those heartstrings, but we want you to decide, okay, between me and God, here's what I'm going to give. And we want you to look forward to it. So how do you do that? Here's what we see in scripture. Look at at verse eight. And God is able. Do you recognize that? I mean, if you're like me, maybe there's times where you're thinking about giving and you think, you know what? This is my money. I, I, I earned it, and it's, it's my money. Paul would say, well, God is the one that gave you the money. He's the one that's able. Or maybe you struggle with fear. You know what, Tim? If I give, what if there's an emergency that comes up? Or what if there's, there's a bill that I didn't expect? What if something goes wrong? What if something breaks tomorrow and I gave today and then what? You know what? That might happen. I can't choreograph what will happen later today or tomorrow or next week. But here's what I know, that God is able to take care of you. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what, if I give, I don't really know if they'll use the money wisely. I could probably use it better. Or maybe you're here and you're thinking, Tim, I don't even know if I want to give. Or maybe you're wondering, hey, I earned it. Can't I spend it? And Paul would say, 
God is able to bless you abundantly. God is not going to run out of grace. And he can fill up your storehouses abundantly. He is able so that there's, there's that purpose in all things, in all times, having all that you need. That you're right. You could give and something could go wrong. There could be a crisis. There could be an emergency. There could be that bill you forgot about. It just it was unexpected. And all of a sudden it shows up and you're like, Ugh. Or, or what about the thing I was saving up for? I really wanted to buy that, that thing, that item, and now I might have to wait longer, or, or now I can't buy it. And Paul says, look, God will take care of all your needs, not all your wants. Sometimes we get wants and needs really mixed up. They're very different. But here's what I know about God. He is able to supply and to provide for all of your needs. There's never been a time where my family has gone without. We've, we've always had a place to live, food to eat, clothes to wear, provision for my kids. He's always provided everything that we need. Maybe not everything that I've wanted. My Amazon wish list has not been taken care of. But God is so incredibly faithful. He possesses all of the grace. There's an unlimited amount of grace. Here's the reality. You and I can't outgive God. You can't. In fact, I dare you to try to outgive God. What I'm not saying is that if you give a dollar, he's going to return 10. This is not the prosperity gospel. But what I'm saying is, if you make a decision to give, and you're generous, somehow, some way, he's going to increase your harvest. It might be more money. It might be more opportunities to share the gospel. It might be growing your faith. I have no idea. I don't fully understand how God works all this out. But I know that his word is true and that he will always take care of our needs. He will always take care of those things. Here's what Philippians 4.19 says. God will supply all of your needs according to what? His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is incredibly wealthy. He has no shortage of money and grace and mercy, and he will take care of our needs. And I'm not saying you're going to get more money. Maybe you're trading money for more significance in the kingdom of God. Maybe the greatest blessing I've, I've received is, is God has given me a wife who loves Jesus and kids who right now, right now, they're interested in following Jesus. But maybe other blessings he's given me has not been financial. It's been he's surrounded me with people who love Jesus, who want to invest in me, who want to invest in my family. But the other thing I've noticed as I give to God through Bridgewater is I kind of get to peek over the fence and see what he is doing in other people's lives. You know, this week, Pastor Aaron got to lead a lady named Brandy to Christ because you guys give to God through Bridgewater. And three weeks before that, Pastor Aaron met with Pat, Brandy's husband, and he put his faith in Christ. 
And on Friday, there's going to be this huge event for all of our, our junior high and our high school students called One Night. All the students from all of our campuses are going to gather at this Montrose High School, and there's going to be an incredible amount of fun, games, food. They're giving away prizes, iPods, Apple Watches. I have no idea what else, a Nintendo Switch, and they're charging kids $5. I'm not a mathematician. I'm pretty sure $5 is not enough to cover all of that. God is using you guys. When you give to God through Bridgewater, that's what you're giving towards. And God is doing amazing things so other youth leaders can have conversations with teenagers about Jesus. And so maybe you're trading money for significance. Maybe God will give you more money. I don't really understand all that or what he's going to do. But here's what he says in verse 10. Now he who supplies... Who is the supplier? It's God. God supplies the seed to the sower. That's you and I. And bread for food and will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That God, in his grace, in his mercy, in his goodness, gives to you and I, we go and we give that money back to him. We invest that money. We pour into what he is doing and he continues to replenish that and he continues to grow your harvest of righteousness. Somehow God uses all of that to grow our faith, to help us to become more like Jesus. And so this is that principle. You give sparingly, you give generously and the harvest will come back in the same way that you planted. A tradition we started with our kids around Christmas time is when they were really young, we would bring them to a store and Shane and I would give them money and we'd say, okay, here's some money and we want you to buy some gifts for your brother or your sister or your brothers and sisters. And it's Christmas time. And, and at first when they would do this, they would they were pretty stingy. They were like their dad, right? Like, okay, well, if I spend this much money, then I'll have the rest for myself. We're like, no, 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 no. We want you to use this money to buy nice gifts for your, your siblings. And eventually they learn to enjoy that. They, they love going into the store now around Christmas time. They love being generous with mom and dad's money, right? But the reality is it's not even our money. It's God's money. God gave us the jobs. God gave us the ability to earn money. He gave us that seed, and then we give it to our kids, and we say, go be generous with this. And then they go, and they're generous with it, and they get to bless their brother and sister. And then they get blessed, too, because they're learning how to be good givers. And God is doing the same thing for you and I. He is the one who supplies the money, and we're simply managers or stewards of that money. And instead of saying, hey, I'm going to have a scarcity mindset and go, it's mine. No, 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 there's not enough to go around. If I give this, I'll lose out. Instead, he says, hey, I supplied that to you. Be generous with it. Have an abundant mindset. Be a cheerful giver. You may be wondering, okay, why would I want to be generous? What, what's, what's a good motivation Here's a good motivation. When you give money away, it creates lasting impact. That when you give to God, he uses that to change people's lives. 
And we've already seen that. Almost every single week, we get to celebrate things that God is doing across all of our campuses. People put their faith in Christ, and we celebrate that with those carnations. Not because you had a conversation, not because you personally shared the gospel, but because you gave to God, and he began to use that. And he uses that in our kids' ministry, our student ministry. That's happening all over Broome County. That God is changing people's lives because you give to God. Well, what else could happen? Look at verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. God is going to store up more and more and more. He's going to fill up those storehouses because he is a generous, gracious, loving God. Generosity is always connected to love. Generosity is love in action. Here's what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world, he loved you and I, so what did he do? He gave. He gave his only son. In fact, that is one of our statements, that one of our core values. We give because he gave. You can give and not be loving, but you can't love and not give. Loving means I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be generous. So when I'm stingy, when Tim is being stingy and he is like, this is mine, man, what does that say about me and how much I love people? It says I love myself more than others. Meaning if I want to grow in generosity, it should flow out of love. It should flow out of thanksgiving. It should flow out of gratitude. The antidote to materialism is generosity. If I want to overcome materialism, if I want to win that battle of being stingy and win that battle of that scarcity mindset, I need to choose generosity. And notice in verse 13, he uses this word service. It's this humble attitude, sacrificially giving, being selfless. Because of this humble service by which you have proved yourselves, others will what? They're going to praise God. That Paul is telling this church in Corinth, hey, when you give to this church in Jerusalem, which is in need, which is a, a Jewish church, this Gentile church in Corinth is now going to be partnered with them. And they're going to praise God for you. And he's telling this church in Corinth, hey, when you give to God, they're going to praise God. They're going to be thankful. They're going to rejoice because you've been obedient for your generosity. 
They're going to praise God for your generosity. And so more generosity results in more people thanking God. It results in more joy. It will result in more joy in you and me, but it also results in more joy in others. When I choose that abundant mindset, when I choose to live generously, that results in more joy. Look what he says in verse 14. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because the surpassing grace God has given you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to be encouraged by that. Now, you're not giving to get more prayer. That's not what he's saying. He's saying a natural byproduct, a natural result is when you give to these people in need, they're going to be thankful, and they're going to go to God, and they're going to thank God, and they're going to pray for you. But look what he says in verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God is going to give this indescribable, amazing, incredible gift. And Paul is actually connecting thankfulness to generosity. That they're connected. That if I want to grow in generosity, I need to cultivate thankfulness. I need to cultivate gratitude inside of me, that we want to live generously. And generosity will flow out of gratitude. Generosity will flow out of thanksgiving. And here's the last point, that when you give money away, it will create more prayer for you. But it's not that you're buying prayers from people. It just so happens that when you're generous, when you give and people experience that gift, they typically return and pray and thank God for you. And so that just happens to be a result. So living generously will create a lasting impact. Living generously will create more joy. And living generously will result in more prayer for you. And so here's the challenge, that you would give regularly, that you would give sacrificially, you would give proportionately. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, Tim, I really didn't want to come to church to hear about money and giving. Maybe you're new, maybe you're not even a a follower of Jesus. This isn't really even for you. This is for people who say, I've placed my faith in Christ. I've asked Jesus to be my forgiver, my leader, my savior. This is for the follower of Christ. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Tim, I give generously of my time. Isn't that enough? Paul's not talking about giving of our time. He's talking about giving money. He's talking about being generous with the money that he has given to us. So Paul says we ought to be thankful. He's thanking God for this indescribable gift. All throughout scripture, God says, We ought to be thankful. We ought to be thankful. We ought to be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. The Bible's full of commands just like that because God knows this is not our natural instinct. Our natural bent is to be focused on us. 
But when we're thankful, we realize, hey, we're not defined by our problems or our circumstances. We're getting our eyes off of ourselves and we're looking at what God is doing and we begin to cultivate thankfulness. And so if you want to grow and become a cheerful giver, if you want to be a, someone who lives generously, first of all, we've got to become more thankful. So how do we do that? How do I become more generous? One, I would say start by making a gratitude list. This week, in, in your phone, on your notes app, on your, in your journal, wherever it is, grab a scratch piece of paper. Come up with 25 to 50 things that you're thankful for. Five things, no problem. Once you get to 10 things, you're going to start to struggle. You're going to start wondering, can I get to 20 things? And then finally, you'll, you'll come up with some 25 things. And I would say, keep looking for more things to be thankful for. This week, see if you can come up with a list of 50 things that you're thankful for. But secondly, I need to remind myself that God owns everything. I'm just a manager. I'm just a steward of what he has given to me. But I need to remind myself of that because maybe you're like people that I know and they think, well, I own it. I went to work. It was my paycheck, so I'll spend it. But the reality is God gave you the job. God gave you the means of earning that income. God is the one who is supplying it. He owns everything. I know your name is on the mortgage. I know your name is on that lease. Your name is on that statement. But God is the one who gives us everything. He owns everything. We've got to remind ourselves of that. Lastly, you've got to start somewhere. Maybe you're here and you don't give at all. You give nothing. Start, go from nothing to something. Maybe that's a dollar amount. Maybe that's a percentage. But start somewhere. Because to go from nothing to complete generosity is a huge leap. And so that pathway to generosity is go from nothing to, hey, I'm going to choose to give something every week or every month. Maybe you already give something. The next step is to what the New Old Testament calls a tithe. Give, give 10% of your income. Whew, that's a big step. I don't know if I could live off of 90%. Like, I need all of that. You can't outgive God. Maybe you're already tithing. Maybe that is what you do. The next step would be to give above and beyond and start giving generously. That tithing is kind of the bare minimum, but you gotta start somewhere. And maybe it's, I give nothing, so I'm just going to choose this week, every week, to start giving something. And you predetermine what that is. I'm not going to tell you what you should give. But you think about it, you pray about it, and you decide ahead of time, I'm going to give because I want to be generous. Imagine what would happen in our community if all of us went out this week at work, at school, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and we began to live generously. What would happen in our community if we all decided, this week, I want to live generously? Let me pray with you. God, you are 
gracious and kind and loving. You continue to give above and beyond what we deserve. And I recognize, God, I'm not always gracious. Sometimes I'm stingy. Sometimes I want things for myself. And I just confess that to you. That you would change my heart. You would change our hearts to cultivate more thankfulness, more gratitude. That we would take steps towards generosity. That this week, as we spend time with our friends and our family, with the people that we work with, we would begin to be generous. Not just with our time, not just with sharing of our stuff, but even with our money. You are the one who supplies. It's our desire that as we give, you would continue to grow the harvest. That Broome County would be the hardest place for people to get to hell from because you are doing an incredible work here. I pray that as we even consider doing that gratitude list, you would use that small assignment to cultivate more thankfulness in our hearts. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together.